Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes? Okay, good. Um, So we're in a series called Thrive, and we're talking for five weeks on five ways to flourish. Pastor Cameron shared last week, um, he kind of reviewed our whole soul, how we um, can connect with others, with the Bible, with the Lord. And so today, I'm going to be sharing on, down to go up, or not. Turn it on is helpful. There you go. So today's title for today's teaching is Let Go and Be Set Free. And I want to start with a little st- a story. I was um, talking with a, a young boy. He was, well, he's a young man, I don't know, 12 years old. And we were talking about, uh, I think I was actually dealing with a, a, a hurt that he, he and a sister had, like, been arguing or they had hurt each other or something. And, and so we were, we were talking about how it feels to be hurt and um, physical hurt and emotional hurt and, and how you know, what you do with that. And he shared with me that an adult at a time in his life had hurt him physically and emotionally. And he said, but one day when I get strong like so-and-so, I'll show him what for. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's one way to handle that. I said, but if you really want to be free now and forever, you need to forgive him. He was like, what? (laughs) Forgive him? And I said, well, you could do what you think, and then someday you could give him what for and end up with consequences, and you might still feel what you feel right now. But if you forgive him, you could be free now and later. Now, that little boy is still not convinced, (laughs) but I am. I am convinced. (laughs) And so um, I'm going to talk today about forgiveness. So I came across some research. Um, Back in the 1990s, psychology had an area of psychology called positive psychology. And it was a branch of psychology that focused on um, attributes that enabled individuals and communities to flourish, so who doesn't want to flourish, right? And that's actually in our, in our sermon series, which I think is amazing. So in this, this research paper was talking about this positive psychology. They did the research like 25 years later and said, well, is it effective? Did it work? And um, so I'm going to share with you some of the findings. Now, the findings, there was just, um, I'm just sharing three of the, I don't know, 15 or 20. But the first one is, Happiness causes good things to happen, not because good things happen, then you are happy. So in other words, happy people make things happen. And we all know, we've heard, you know, having a positive attitude helps immensely, right? I mean, who who doesn't know that, right? The second finding that that this research paper found was faith matters. And they found that people of faith tend to be happier and cope with stress better. That's pretty cool. We kind of know that already, but, you know, that was great that they found that out. And then the last one was a satisfying life comes from a life of meaning, not a life of pleasure. And we've seen 
countless stories, movies. We've seen people's lives who live their life just to please themselves and be empty. But people who had a life of meaning had basically nothing, Mother Teresa comes to mind, but had a satisfying life that they felt fulfilled. And so these findings are pretty amazing, but but what's even more amazing is that the keys to positive psychology, there's three keys, and the keys are humility, if you have humility, in your, if you're a humble person, if you have gratitude in your life, and if you forgive, you will have a satisfying life. You will have happiness in your life. Those are the keys that positive psychology, although... I would, I would argue, 2,000 years ago, we learned all about those things, you know, when we have a Bible to refer to. So today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And I'm going to go to a story that's a little bit unusual. I'm going to talk about Jonah. Now, the thing that's interesting about Jonah is, besides the book of Jonah, he's also mentioned in 2 Kings 14.25. And it says that Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebohamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, and the, pro- the prophet of Gath, Hafer. Now, this is almost certainly the same Jonah that we know about in the, the story of the whale, but he was a prophet. And I know, everybody who knows Veggie Tales, go ahead in your head and go, Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, okay. So, um, so Jonah was sent... You know, in this time, he was sent to his own people. He was sent to the Israelites, and he was sent with a message to encourage them and to assure them that better days were coming. And Jeroboam, in this passage, we find that his prophecy was true. So, so Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh, sorry, um, I've been doing that all morning. It's like driving me crazy. Um, so Jonah was a good prophet. I mean, he he spoke prophecies to his own people. But then we go to the book of Jonah, and we find a very different account of Jonah. We find in verses 1, 2, and 3 that God says to him, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, hoping to escape the Lord. The prophet trying to escape the Lord. That's interesting. A couple things about Nineveh. It was the largest city that was, they think it was the largest city in the world at that time. It was known for its wickedness. It was Assyrian and Gentile. So, you know, it's kind of easy to be a prophet amongst people who love you. Go to some place where they hate you. It might be a little bit difficult. So why did Jonah not want to go? Well, in the beginning of the story, we find out later why, but in the beginning of the story, you could say maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid to go because they were wicked and they would kill him. Or it was too hard a task. Or maybe he just didn't like them and said, you know, go ahead and destroy him. I don't care. Right? And he doesn't say, um, it, it could be, I was reading one account and the guy um, compared it to, if you were a, a, a Jewish person living in New York City during World War II and God said, hey, go proclaim to the Nazis that they need to repent. You, you can kind of get the feeling here that maybe Jonah would be a little resistant, right? <clears throat> so then the story goes on. He's on the ship. Big storm comes up. 
And the sailors are like, why is this awful storm come upon us? Who are you? What's your line of work? They're questioning Jonah. And Jonah fesses up, you know what? Throw me into the sea. It's my fault. It'll be calm again as soon as you, you know, this is all my fault. And, um, and then it goes on, and, and he ends up in the water, ends up in a fish. And Jonah says, you threw me into the ocean steps. And there's a long, the whole chapter. And said, you know, he threw them into the depths. And then he says to God, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence, which is what he wanted to begin with, right? Run away from the Lord. Yet I will once more look towards your holy temple, but I will offer sacrifices with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Sounds like repentance to me, right? So, um, and then the Lord speaks to Jonah again, second time. Okay, now we're going to do this, right? Get up, go to the city of Nineveh, deliver the message. And the city was so big, it took three days to see it all, okay? So Jonah gets there, he goes in, and he shouts to the crowds, this one sentence, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Did what I came to do, right? And interesting response, these Ninevites, they believe the message, and they go, oh my gosh, we got to fast, we got to pray, and, and they say, who can tell? Perhaps yet, even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his anger from destroying us. And what is Jonah's response? Oh, no, God's response. God sees this and says, I, you know, they have put a stop to their evil ways. He changed his mind, and he didn't carry out the destruction. That's pretty cool for the Ninevites. But Jonah um, was not so happy. Yeah, he got angry. And that angry there is not just angry. Like, he was irate. Like, how could you forgive them? You know, think of the Jewish man and the Nazis. How could you forgive them? Jonah said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Wow. What kind of bitterness? What kind of unforgiveness? God forgave him in the whale. You know, like he just got done repenting. And, and he, he, can't, he can't let go. How many of us have felt that way before? How many of us have looked at someone else? Look on social media. Hello. But we all sin. In 1 John, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, hello, self-righteous people, we have made him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Yikes. We have all sinned. Everyone who sees me and hears me, you have sinned 
We have all sinned. So what's the antidote? God's love. In his great love for us, he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the good news. That is why you all are sitting here watching online. Maybe you don't know that, so now you know. God sent his son so that you could be saved. Because he loved you so much, he was willing to forgive you through Jesus. When we're forgiven, Colossians 3.3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So I have a little illustration for you. I know it might be a little silly, but... So when you are not saved, when you're not in Christ, God just sees the filthiness of your sins. And I don't, it doesn't matter if it's a little sin or a great big sin, he sees your sin. But when you receive Jesus, he sees Jesus and you through Jesus. It'd be better if you could see all the way through that. But anyway, so he sees you this way. He sees you through his son and goes, oh, my beloved. He sees Jesus and us through him because we're hidden in Christ. Now, if we're hidden in Christ, if we're in Christ, if we have, if we have him all around us, then we need to behave like Christ and do what he says. And what Christ compels us to do is a lot. We have to forgive others. We must forgive others. In Ephesians, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We've been forgiven so much, we have to forgive somebody else. And you say, well, Kathy, that was written to the Ephesian church. Those are believers. So I can forgive believers, but those other people? Well, in Colossians, it says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. He's not saying anyone in the church. He didn't qualify it. Anyone who repents, he says, anyone. And why do you do that? Because the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. You know, when we... When we hold on to that, I think we have a choice. Can we stand in Jesus? Or do we say, no, I don't really want to. We step out of in Christ. We step out of that covering and say, no, I think I'll do it on my own. And we've all done it. I mean, at least I have. Being a Christian for as long as I have, I know I've stepped out at times. Okay, so what about... That, that's great. I'll, I'll forgive anyone, but how many times do I have to forgive them? What about the repeat offender? What about Susie at work that makes me anno- annoyed so many times I can't even? Or Uncle George who always does that thing and it makes me crazy. What about those people? What's interesting is in, in Matthew, and we'll get to it in just a second, during the time of Jesus, the rabbis had a rule for
for forgiveness. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they had a rule. It was three strikes and you're out. You had to, you had to forgive somebody three times. After that, no more. They didn't have to forgive them anymore. They'd, they'd made a rule. Now, I, this is my, this is Kathy's picture. Didn't read in the commentary. Didn't, I can just picture Peter. Now, Peter's been hanging out with Jesus for quite some time. He's been seeing how Jesus called out the Pharisees, and he calls out some of the rules that they had. And, and he's like, I mean, wouldn't you want to impress Jesus? Like, come on. If you were hanging out with him all the time, you're like, you're finally starting to get what he's saying. You're finally starting to get a clue, and you're like, hey, Jesus, I, I, I got it. What if, you know, the rabbis do three times? Lord, how many sh- times should we forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? The perfect number, right? I mean, come on. Seven. We know that means completion. And so if I do it seven times, and Jesus' response is, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. He ups the ante which really is limitless. Now, if you're going to count, like, you know, I've forgiven them 400 and whatever. I don't know how many it is. But anyway, thank you, math geek Lindsay. But, um, and then, and then, so the, the, when I first started this, I wanted to, like, expound on the entire chapter of Matthew. Matthew 18 is so amazing. And then they tell me how much time I have. So I didn't do that. But he goes on, and Jesus tells the parable of the, the king and the, the servant who has, there's bringing into accounts all the people who owe him money. And the servant comes before the king and the king goes, you owe me. And in today's estimation, it's either, it's between $12 million and $1 billion, okay? It, not like he's going to pay it off real quick, right? And he says, you know, hey, you need to pay me. And the servant's like, oh, have mercy on me. You know, don't sell my family. Don't put me in prison. Let me, you know, have mercy. And the king says, okay, fine, you have mercy. And the guy goes, okay, great. Now, what would you do if everyone, like, think about how much money you owe right now. Okay, nobody owes 12 million. Well, I don't know, maybe you do owe 12 million. But think about somebody coming and wiping that clean. And your response is, oh, I'm going to go find the guy who owes me $1,000. What? What? He goes out and finds the guy who owes him about $1,000. It was 100 days wages. And he like, you pay me what you owe me. He puts him in a chokehold. And then he throws him into prison. And the other guys, other people, the other servants are like, dude, $12 million. Come on, $1,000. And he goes and tells the king. And the king responds. He's angry. I forgave you. And you learned what from that? What did you learn from that? You have a little bit of a thick head going on here. And he throws him into prison and tortures him. Because the first punishment didn't even include torture, but now he's going to torture him until he can pay. And Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters From your heart. Don't think it's optional. I I think it's pretty clear we have to forgive. Even repeat offenders, even Uncle George, even Sally, 
even the person on social media that drives you crazy, even your enemy. Your enemy? Wait a second. Yeah, Jesus takes it one step further. He says, have you heard it not said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you? I don't, I don't think in my lifetime I've ever been persecuted. I've had some teasing. I've had some pretty ugly things happen, but not persecution. And I'm supposed to pray for them. And you are too. That's what Jesus said. And we have good examples of this. Ultimate forgiveness. Jesus, when he forgave from the cross. Jesus was hanging on the cross. His executioners, I don't want to give them names, A, B, and C, who actually drove the nails into his hands and feet, are gambling for his clothes. And his response, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We need to pray with that same heart. It's not an excuse of the guilt. Jesus didn't say, you're excused. He's saying, I'm going to forgive, Father, forgive them. He, he sets his enemies up in the best possible light so that the Father will be in a place that he could forgive them. And you go, I know what you're saying, because I, I said it too. Yeah, but I'm not Jesus. <laughs> who, who, who here is not Jesus? Come on. Okay, okay. So we're not Jesus, right? So we can, we can try, but we're not there yet. But what about Stephen? Stephen wasn't Jesus. So Stephen was going around proclaiming Jesus. He was, you know, he was doing his, you know, go tell and make disciples of all men. And some, um, I forget the name of the synagogue, some men from the synagogue come up to Stephen and they enter into a debate with him. And it says that nobody could match him in his wisdom. So he knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophets. He knew, he knew all the stuff. And so he's, he's going, you know, they're, they're engaging him. It says they approached him. They have a debate. Stephen wins. And then, so they're like, now they're embarrassed and they're angry. So they get some people to lie and say he's blaspheming against God. And then they drag him to before the high council, and, and they start asking him questions. And he, full of the Holy Spirit, he gives an exhortation. He lists things from the Old Testament. Again, the wisdom that he's been given by God is displayed. And now they're really mad. And what do they do? They drag him out, because it would be wrong to stone him there. They drag him outside the city, and they start throwing stones, rocks at him to kill him. And he falls to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Who in here has been stoned? How? Now, I know that many of us have lots of hurts, and they're deep. But our example is clear. 
we have to forgive. Forgiveness brings freedom. For you, it doesn't say what the other person did was okay. It doesn't make it somehow right. It means I'm not God. I'm going to let you handle that however you want. That's what you're saying when you forgive. And then you can walk away feeling lighter. How do we do it in a practical way? How, how do you forgive in a practical way? Well, I have a few, a few things for you. The first is to meditate on how much you've been forgiven. How much sin have you been forgiven? And if you think, well, I'm kind of a good person, Isaiah says, we are filthy rags before the Lord. Filthy rags. And actually, that, that term, filthy rags, is way worse than what you think it is. <laughs> we, we have, oh, did I suddenly, I'm echoing? Okay. Um, think about what you've done and how much you've been forgiven. How much have you been forgiven? That sets you up to be in the best place to say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to give up my rights to hold this person accountable. I'm not talking about not having boundaries, and I'm not talking about not letting people walk all over you. That's not what I'm talking about. You you can have boundaries. You can draw lines. You don't have to let them hurt you again. However, you don't get to hold that record of wrong. You have to give it up. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to let you handle that. Don't focus on the offense. When you repeat it in your mind over and over again, and you repeat it to other people, you know, there's the, the law of reaping and sowing kicks in. My mother was, she always did this. And then one day you look around and go, oh my gosh, I'm just like my mother. Now, if your mother's good, that's great. But if it's an offense, you, you run the risk of actually doing that thing. You run the risk of, of, of perpetuating it on. And who wants to think about all that negative stuff all the time? I mean, hello, Jonah. You know, come on. Why are you thinking about that offense over and over again? And I'm not saying it's not real, and I'm not saying you weren't really hurt. And I'm not saying that you need to be loved and have your heart filled with God's love. But, but focusing on the offense is, is, it doesn't help. And then keep forgiving until the hurt goes away. Pops up in your mind, you know what, Father, I'm just going to lay that. I just give Sally to you, and I just pray, you know, I just, I just give her to you, and I'm not going to, you know, I forgive her again. I forgive her again. Or if it's you, if it's yourself, I did this thing. Father, forgive me again. He's probably going to say, yeah, I know, I already did that once, but okay, if you feel better. You keep doing it until your heart doesn't hurt anymore. You keep doing it until your heart is free. And then pray for the offender. And I tell you what, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this. 
I'm still ticked at Sally. And I'm like, you know what, Father, I just bless Sally. Pray that she gets promoted to another department. No, I pray that your blessing is on her, that she is, you know, that she comes to know you, Lord, because she needs, no, you know, like really pray. Blessing on her, him, whoever it is. And when you speak it out loud, and I'm telling you right now, speaking it out loud is key. Because your head can do lots of things. You can be in your head thinking, well, I'm going to forgive her. And then, oh, I can't believe she did that. And then there was that other thing. You know, your mind can run away. You need to keep, if you speak it out loud, it keeps you on track. It keeps you focused on what you're doing. And that is letting it go and letting it go. You know, in the chaos of the world right now, I, I, as I was preparing this and praying, I kept hearing the song, they will know we are Christians by our love. And I don't think we've done a very good job of that as the big C church. And it takes each person doing it individually. Are you showing love to those who persecute you? Are you showing forgiveness? What does your social media presence look like? What does your family think of you? What do your coworkers think of you? Are you loving? And I am the first one to say I'm not good at it all the time. But we need to keep trying. So I want to end by giving you all an opportunity and, and, uh, to do this to pray. And I'm, I'm going to lead you through a little prayer. And I hope that you can think of somebody that you need to forgive. But if you can't, that's okay. So what I ask is if you're joining us online and if you're joining us in the room, if you could close your eyes, I'm going to pray first and then I'll ask you to repeat. So Lord, I, we don't know how to make forgiveness happen. And we can't cleanse our own hearts or change our feelings. And it's hard to trust. It's hard to open our hearts up. But today, Lord, we are making a choice to forgive. Now I want you guys to repeat after me quietly or (laughs) however you want. Father, I... Choose to forgive and then insert their name. I let go of my resentment and the bitterness stored in my heart. Wash me clean. Forgive me of any judgments I've made. Heal my wounded heart. Or pour your love in. And bless the person who's hurt me. Amen. I would like you to just stay in this place for a moment. 
you know, one of the best ways to, to have a transformation of heart is to ask God how, they, how he sees that person. Put up that screen of Jesus and how does he see them? You don't have to write it down right now, but I would encourage you to write it down later. I'll just give you a minute. Amen. And then, if you, if you got a picture or you saw them in a different light, I would encourage you the next time that offense comes up that you remember that picture. Remember how God sees them. And it will help to heal your heart. And now I'm going to just pray for us to close this service. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you are good and that you're compassionate. You loved us so much that you sent your son so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for each one here today and each one that tuned in that we would walk in a level of freedom that we haven't known before. Amen. Well, um, so this week, we would love for you to join us at Wednesday night prayer at 6.30 via Zoom or here in the building. And next week, we're going to continue our series called Thrive. Um, Pastor Mark will be here, so we're excited about him. And I just hope that you have a great week and go be and do Christ in your community. Amen.